0: Good afternoon, and welcome. Welcome on back to our itsy bitsy teensy weensy Saturday evening show. I'm Randy Corpen, your pumped up purveyor of principled, passionate patriotism, unafraid every single day to come in here and s- expose the soft underbellied participants in the Republican Party, the anti-election fraud deniers who continue to ignore mounting evidence, historic evidence. Everything that piles together and tells us without question that what went on in 2020 was not a clean, fair, straight deal. And more. I had, uh, you know, light, easy show plans for tonight. You know me. I don't often do a bunch of guests. I much prefer to talk to you at 303-696-1971. 696-1971. And the the big deal early in the week was the ousting of Republican House Speaker, the Majority Leader and Speaker, Kevin McCarthy. And in fact, if you hear, hear or heard my promo for the show, it was something like, you know, hey, everybody, big week in the battle for America, first time in history, Speaker of the House was removed and the media masses are aghast. The soft, underbelly Republicans outraged and fearful. Even Newt Gingrich cries traitor. Ken Buck voted yes. Lauren Boebert voted no. What in the world? And my conclusion was, I say bring on Jim Jordan and let's roll. And I invite your perspective on that. Phone line's already loading up. 303-696-1971. And then I found out today that uh, Newt Gingrich is probably taking the ouster of Kevin McCarthy very, very seriously. I heard his name even touted as perhaps a replacement speaker. You know, got to get one of the sane people in there. And uh, I learned this because I had a voicemail from one of my very best friends, former congressman, former presidential candidate, former Harley riding, Indian riding, best buddy Tom Tancredo, Tom Tancredo has some skinny on uh, house speaker races and house speaker removal. So we have put him in here at around 7 o'clock tonight. I hope you will stick around for that. The other thing that was just completely unexpected for me, I didn't know anything about it, didn't know that it was happening, that it was coming, was all of a sudden, in the Colorado Springs Gazette, this title, hmm, what a bunch of dicks! How Dick Waddams, whom we all affectionately refer to as Dick Wad for short, and the establishment screw the GOP. Now, I think the Gazette softened that title a little bit, but that was the title created by State Representative Ken DeGraff. He's down there in the Springs, House District Twenty Two. And uh, he's going to join us here in about 15 or 20 minutes to talk about this piece, because I guess it rubbed some feathers the wrong way. And, uh, you know, I just like to get information out to you, opinion out to you, see what you think. This is activist radio. And uh, so I'm talking to the people who do the work, carry the load. And the only reason that you're involved with this Colorado State GOP or following Republican politics at any level is because, you know, with the Democrats turning outright communist, we have admitted communists, self-recognized communists in positions of government here in the state of Colorado, and people who talk like communists in the federal government. We've got our old buddy Trevor Loudon, who's exposed the communists and the crazies and the people who couldn't get a security clearance to drive a school bus who are in Congress. And... You're the ones that I want to talk to. You're the ones that I want to hear from. You are the ones that are mobilizing and rejuvenating this Republican Party. And that starts here at the state level. It includes the RNC. You know, there were almost a third of us, America first, RNC committee folks who came, who put in the effort and listened to you, the constituents, the voters, the people who elected me to my position and said, we need to change leadership. And all of these things, all of this pushing back, all of this increased energy, the filling of precincts, the growth of places like Turning Point, Colorado Christian University, Hillsdale College, the young man that I'm going to tell you about in just a second that's going to join us in the six o'clock hour. All of those things create so much enthusiasm, so much excitement, and for me, so much optimism about the future of this country. And that is in the middle of some of the darkest days we've ever seen. The biggest story of the day, obviously, is Hamas attacking Israel with not five, not 50, not 500, 5,000 missiles lobbed into Israel this morning totally unprovoked, no warning. And then, man, I don't know if you've been spending any time on social media, but the videos that are emerging of uh, these Hamas animals getting a hold of female Israeli soldiers, stripping them down, throwing them in the backs of trucks, spitting on them, torturing them, and eventually killing them. That's what's going on right under our nose. And as I sat down getting ready to open up the microphone i look up we got fox news on in here again i don't know why but there it is and joe biden is standing there and the the scroller going across the bottom says joe biden will have israel's back isn't that reassuring my god who could be worse to have your back than creepy sleepy sleeps with daughter i mean shout out oh, sorry Sorry, defamation lawyers, doesn't sleep with his daughter. At least she didn't say that in her diary. Showers with daughter, but touches and sniffs and ugh. And, you know, obviously the mind is gone. Joe Biden has Israel's back. Thank God that Israel put Benjamin Netanyahu back in charge because you know the response from Israel to this attack is going to be very Trump-like. And you also know that if Trump was still in office... Never, never would have happened. But people are misdescribing this conflict. And, you know, I'm no world historian and I, I haven't spent my life, um, you know, digging into biblical history, but I know my Bible. I know my world history. And from my perspective, what's going on between Hamas and Israel is not the Palestinian conflict. That's ongoing. I, I think. Palestine is an illegitimate state, but setting all that aside, Hamas got themselves elected to govern Palestine. They are an Iran-funded terrorist organization, and I would bet I've got no evidence, this is my feeling, this is my belief, and how often have I said something to you on this radio station, and a year later, there you go, oh, that was true. The $6 billion that Joe Biden freed up and traded to Iran in a hostage swap, $6 billion to people who get up every morning and start their day saying death to America. You can expect to see this kind of terrorist stuff, a terrorist attacks going on over and over more and more. That is my prediction. This is terrorism. This is provocation. This is a newly empowered Iran when Donald Trump had them on their knees. The Abraham Accords got signed. Nobel Peace Prize stuff that this president did. And I saw some headline from one of the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine outlets. I don't remember if it was the Washington Compost or the New York Slimes or the Corrupt News Network or mslsdi I don't remember where the headline came from, but they said that the the peace, you know, the so-called, and they put this in italics, the Middle East peace brokered by Donald Trump's son-in-law falling apart. No, it's because Donald Trump wasn't around to seal the deal. Even now, Saudi Arabia, I believe, I just saw, it's a headline I saw as I came in, But it was on Fox News, must be true, siding with Hamas, apparently. Now, that could be a very political thing to try and keep those folks out of their backyard, Saudi Arabia's backyard, but man, oh, man. Now, I know the response is going to be just brutal from Israel and the destruction, the, the firepower that they have, but are we really coming unglued? Are we tiptoeing into those end days, wars and rumors of wars, great leaders who will arise, the Antichrist, I don't know, way, way, way above my pay grade. And, you know, what else is there to say uh, other than we'll see what happens over there and how Israel pushes back? Of course, Israel will be condemned by many countries around the world, I'm sure by the UN, even though they don't kidnap the women and families and children that live in Palestine and drag them across the border for torture and death they don't go into their homes and massacre them not as a military operation but as a terrorist operation very 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 sad to watch very very painful to watch so I mentioned do I have any of these available to me yet okay Um, I mentioned in the crossover with Mike Boyle that I had a wonderful lunch today, and the um, event was the Cardo GOP Capital Club lunch, which I've gone to periodically, many times, not recently, just, you know, I haven't been doing much of anything recently. But um, Capital Club usually happens once a month, once every couple of months, and it's usually held at Maggiano's, either downtown or in the Denver Tech Center. And this time they moved it down to Colorado Springs, and they did it on a Saturday. And the reason that they did it on Saturday in Colorado Springs was because the featured speaker was J-Rod. Now, who in the world is J-Rod? J-Rod is Jaden Rodriguez, the 12-year-old 7th grader from Vanguard School, Charter School in Colorado Springs. He's the one you will remember who was wearing his Gadsden flag patches on his backpack into school. And, you know, when he joins us in the six o'clock hour, you will hear that rainbow flags and, you know, any kind of gay, queer, transvestite stuff is fine. And Black Lives Matter patches, laced around in kids' clothing or, you know, hanging on the walls down there. All that's okay, but the Gadsden flag was a bridge too far for the leadership of this charter school, no less. So he was told to remove it. I think he said he would not. We'll get the full story from him when he's on later. And then Mom and Jaden had to go in and talk to the uh, to the staff at Vanguard, and Mom was smart enough, wise enough courageous enough to record that meeting. And they educated these idiots and explained to them that Gadsden is not a, doesn't reflect slavery. It's the flag that the revolutionary army of America used when they took on the British, you know, the biggest most powerful military in the history of the world up till then. It's one of the flags that the Marines, the continental Marines used It's still a flag that's used or is part of the history of the U.S. Navy. And so they educated him on that. But regardless, this kid, from that recording, it got out into the world, into the Ethernet, 12 million views on Twitter. He's been on all kinds of programs, including with Ben Shapiro, Turning Point Action Group, um, you know, Charlie Kirk's organizations. And on and on and on. And I thought, wow, you know, of course I want to support the GOP. I want to um, attend as many things as I can as I'm sort of working my way back into my political role. I was blown away by this kid. And you will be too. We may talk a little bit more about him before he joins us in the 6 o'clock hour. But um, we do need to get to a break now because when we come back, Ken DeGraff house district twenty two I believe his first term young guy saw him again today down in Colorado Springs, and um just courageous, just willing to speak his mind, and so of course, by the old guard, by the establishment, by Dick Wad and his supporters um he's he's been trashed pretty well, so we'll get to the bottom of what motivated his work and what he said and what he wrote. And we will take some of your calls when we return here on 710 KNUS. Back at 524, Randy Corcoran here with you. Our phone number, 303-696-1971. Callers, sit tight. We've got a guest. We don't have a guest. Oh, it's not answering? Okay. Uh, uh, why don't you text him and give us give him our number? And uh, let's grab Ron. In Conifer, we'll start the show with calls that way. Ron, welcome to the show.
1: I um, have heard two different contradictory reports about whether Trump's motion for a stay of a New York trial uh, was granted or denied by the upper court in New York. And I just wondered if you
0: had any knowledge of that. I do. The trial has not been stayed or stopped or postponed. But the judge's just unbelievable order to, uh, you know, strip Trump of business licenses mm-hmm. and and control of these businesses that employ you know thousands or at least a thousand people in New York uh-huh. has been stayed.
1: By the uh,
0: by the New appellate Year's by the Appeals. appellate court, yeah. And people get confused because Donald right. Trump the, Donald Trump is in front of the New Supreme York court. Sup- Supreme yeah. Court, but that's just their loyal. Lower trial court, it'd be right. equivalent to our district court here in Colorado State Court.
1: Right. So uh, do you, is there any thing has been said about Trump going to take that uh, to the next? What would be the next step, to the federal district court or to the uh, U.S. Supreme Court, I wonder?
0: Well, I haven't read the ruling from the Court of Appeals. They may have just said that, you know, we're going to let the trial go on. You can always appeal unconstitutional or <laughs> improper things that happen after i don't know what it said i just know that they stopped this this tearing out of the heart can you imagine ripping people out of a thousand plus jobs from these incredibly successful businesses
1: well they, the whole thing is preposterous I yeah. mean, it, just, it seems uh I, mean, I don't know anybody Any judge would have the gall to be so flagrantly partial
0: yeah yeah, it's pretty incredible, and I couldn't find it. I was looking earlier today, but I understand there's a video of this New York judge, this uh, Supreme Court, which just means the state court judge, um, ripping on Trump and expressing some pretty radical left-wing views, but I was unable to find it, so I couldn't can't play it for you tonight. Uh, he's a former taxi driver, too, so that kind of an interesting background. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I guess uh, he's a man of the people then, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Ron, we've lassoed our guest onto the phone. Thank you for sh- kicking us off tonight. Thanks and for squeezing me in. I appreciate the information. Appreciate you listening as well. And uh, text messages are rolling in, too. Don't forget the 710 can US app where you can quickly text to the studio. And, yeah, I mean, we opened the show talking a bit about Israel. How many Hamas cells? have come across the southern border and are just waiting for the word. Uh, When you see, you know, young, military-aged, you know, that ethnicity streaming across the border, when you have people like Richard Grinnell on social media and others saying, you know, they're here and they're waiting. What in the world is the Biden administration creating for our world? I just can't believe it. And last thing I'll say and then we'll pick up our guest is um, um, shout outs are coming in on text messages to the great American Eric. So if you're listening tonight, uh, everybody's got your back. God bless. Love you. And keep those burritos coming, baby. Just keep them coming. All right, let's go to our first guest of the night. It is state representative from House District 22, Ken DeGraff. And Ken, it was good to see you this afternoon in Colorado Springs. How are you doing?
2: And likewise, Randy, I'm well. That
0: Thank was you. quite quite an event today, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, uh, J. Rod did an excellent job. I have to say, he was uh, he's, uh, he's he's quite a quite a young man. The uh, uh, the, the the Tuttle twin books, I guess, are uh, should be on the uh, the the must read for uh, for everybody. He did he did a great job. Gave a speech in front of a, a group of adults. Actually, gave it gave it twice. Did a little off the cuff uh great kid
0: yeah hilarious funny asked some tough questions that he thought about and then gave just brilliant answers to so he's actually going to join the show in the six o'clock hour i'm really looking forward to that oh very good but we've got first of all tell people a little bit about you where's your district um and how long have you been in the state house and why in the world would a young tall strong good-looking guy like you throw your life away in this realm (laughs)
2: Those are excellent (laughs) questions. Uh, House District 22 is uh, in Colorado Springs uh, and, you know, however you want to parse it up. But it is uh, between kind of roughly between Academy and Powers and then north of Constitution, south of research. And the uh, the first uh, the the first session of my two year sentence uh, under the uh, in the gold dome cesspool was this spring. Uh, or this uh January to uh to May and then uh my second my second uh year in uh of my sentence is uh is this coming January it'll start in January so we're we're getting our bills ready now and uh and moving towards uh that uh, that time so what motivated me to uh to do that um well it is it is still not on my list of things I'd ever like to do in my life I was a I became an engineer and a pilot uh you know in in large part to avoid politics so i thought being an engineer would uh, keep me out of that and the poli and the lawyers and all them they would they would solve the political problems and uh well that was wrong yeah. so i i got into uh the politics when i was shown that uh what were what were being what sort of laws were being passed and uh laws that were continually even on the uh what would People would uh, classify as good conservatives that they gave more power to government, they took more money from citizens, and they, uh, they they just continued to to erode our rights. So, well, I I couldn't exactly say I felt you know like the most qualified, and uh, and and the elites here in El Paso County, they're they're prompt to tell me that I'm not a qualified politician. So I take that as a bit of a compliment but you know as an engineer my uh my bent is to actually solve problems as opposed to uh as a, as opposed to capitalizing on them so i want to go in there and uh you know my my promise to my constituents is uh you know look at my website this is who i am and uh you know don't elect that guy if you don't if you don't want it to go into office but my goal is to you know try to return with more liberty than i went in with not Not pandering and you know not not looking for ways to take more money from the citizens and then be able to uh, dole it out after it's been laundered through government, so uh, again trying to trying to solve problems. Identify, unfortunately uh, we are up against the leftist majority, and they love to spend money they just cannot spend money fast enough um, jared uh, Jared Jungia likes to uh, pretend that he is a uh a libertarian but uh just cannot seem to strip away our rights fast enough and cannot strip away our money fast enough um so so that's what we're up against It's uh, it's kind of depressing to be up there on a day-to-day basis for four months
0: well at least the pay is really really good huh
2: the pay <laughs> is the pay is excellent but i'm gonna tell you that i, I do prefer i do prefer flying jets much more
0: yeah. And, you know, you could go back groceries and make more money than you do in the uh, in the state legislature. So <laughs> it's it's pretty sad. So new guy on the scene um, and, uh, you know, first term in politics. What compelled you to take on the old guard, the establishment, former state chair, Dick Wadhams? Because um, this this column has gotten quite a bit of attention.
2: Yeah, it has. That uh, that uh, it feels a little bit like Martin Luther when he said that you know the song is uh, getting a little high for my voice. But um, the we we have this we have this process that's driven by the open primary or the primary in general. That we have the caucus and assembly, and then we have the primary, and that puts that puts this initial two months. Where we have Republicans fighting Republicans, and just a, a very big, a very big money machine, and uh, you, you know, at you know the, the caucus and assembly process, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of. I think it has I think it was largely neglected, as the Republican Party you know surrendered its values and and decided to be more about industrial sovereignty than individual sovereignty, and then and then people. People lost interest because they weren't they weren't interested in in defending in defending corporate power. They wanted, and now they're 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 uh, coming to realize the uh, re-realize their birthright in the uh, Declaration of Independence and the Constitution that you know this country, the great experiment of this country, is about we the people and about and about elevating we the people over government. So we have government servants. We don't serve government or that at least that's the way it's supposed to be our our government officials seem to have that backwards and they feel that uh and, and they and they feel that you know the individuals are servile to them that you get that when you see joe biden saying i don't work for you well the fact is that you well he doesn't work for us he works for somebody else but he should be working on our behalf and that and that in government is to secure the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness with the just powers as derived from the consent of the governed. So uh, just looking at laws, just various laws, laws that um, purported to, uh, to remove power from the governor uh, in the case of emergency powers, but actually the first thing that they did was, was elevate it to uh, from 30 days to 60 days. You know, well, you don't have to teach calculus. Yeah. Know and, what, and, and just for people who bigger than 30
0: for people who don't know or might have forgotten what you talk, what you're talking about. This prime example of this was back when COVID hit and Jared Polis took his 30 day emergency power and then renewed it month after month after month after month after month. But initially, the point was that um, after 30 days, the legislature, if they could come together, could put a fork in those emergency powers. Now they're saying it's a minimum of 60. But uh, I want to focus down on how you got your target um, focused at Dick Wadhams.
1: Oh,
2: well, just going on the uh, just the disinformation campaign. uh, Mr. Wadhams just came out and, you know, reading this column and it's just like, okay, at some point. This is just ridiculous that he's saying that 1.7 million people, voters are gonna be disenfranchised. Well, all of the uh, the voters, all of the voters can vote. All of the voters prior to Prop 108 and opening the primary uh, were uh, allowed to vote. They only had to, now what they had to do is they had to go through the process of indicating that they wanted to be, that they wanted a Republican ballot and you know, and that indicate, indication, just that simple, that simple, uh, option, uh, saved, saved the state in total, you know, saved the counties. It's in 2016 dollars, an estimated, uh, five million dollars per year. Well, now they want to send ballots to everybody whether they want to or not. And the problem with that large, a, a big part of that problem is, um, it drives, it drives the campaign towards appealing to the unaffiliated voter and the unaffiliated voter, as we know, is increasingly, is increasingly left. And a lot of times the, the unaffiliated voter is increasingly left because the, the, the corporate Republicans that have been running our, our party have not done much or anything to actually defend the values. Again, they've, they've, Said, we're about well, you're, you're we're making
0: about- you're making the argument for um, overturning the unconstitutional and unlawful prop 108 that's done total very mm-hmm. much damage to the Republican party. I'm one of the attorneys in the lawsuit that's bringing that, and so we talk about that quite a bit here. I heard you say that Dick Wadham's misinformation campaign about that was part of the reason yeah. that you focused in on him uh, is that what drew drew him to your attention or is there more?
2: yeah that he that the disinformation campaign about the uh and then about stealing the vote uh or assigning a value to the vote the vote had a value assigned to it per law which he knew which was a which was to which was to lock everybody in to the unconstitutional uh prop 108 version of the open primary and he wanted to maintain that the reason they wanted it to be left as a they wanted the vote to be left as a supporting the open primary as opposed to supporting the opt-out and that's because as you could see uh from the election there's a lot of people that wanted that wanted the open primary some some for legitimate reasons and some for uh self-serving reasons and they did not want anybody to know that they were for the uh that they're for the open primary and all the money that
0: that requires. So was it Dick Wadham's position and his writing about prop 108 and the open primary and the opt out votes and this characterization of our chair as comrade Dave. And, um, since this piece came out, I heard him, um, that he earlier this week referred to Dave as a liar and a coward. Um, is, is, I'm just trying to get to the bottom here. Not all the underlying <laughs> principles that uh, we all disagree on, but uh, you went after this guy pretty hard. In fact, is it true that the original title for this thing was What a Bunch of Dicks, How Dick Wadham's and the Establishment Screw the GOP? That,
2: uh, that that was the original title, yes. Okay. Because
0: that, uh... that cleaned that up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Softened yeah. it up. It's not really dirty. I mean, it depends. get your mind out of the gutter, people. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, one of the things that you said about Wadham's is uh, establishment consultants like him who seem to prioritize self enrichment over the good of the GOP. Give an example of that.
2: Well, give an example. Like, what are we fighting now? We're fighting Prop HH, right? We're fighting. We're well, has, fighting, he, uh, has, he,
0: has he argued against stopping HH?
2: Uh, Well, he was for the repeal of the. uh, He was instrumental in the repeal of the uh, the Gallagher Amendment, and he stands by the repeal of the Gallagher Amendment, which, you know, everybody agrees that it, you know, it maybe required some, maybe required some fixes, but it was, you know, it was repealed in total and not not replaced, and that's what all of a sudden ushers in these. these, these giant skyrocketing
0: property taxes these skyrocketing. that are coming our way, yeah. I remember, yeah,
2: and that's from Prop HH.
0: I remember, I mean, that's from the Gallagher amendment. I remember a few weeks ago, um, I did a little digging and into Pacer, Tracer, whatever the uh, election finance software is that you can or website is, and I saw that Dick Waddams had received what was it, twenty thousand dollars for supporting the group that overturned the Gallagher amendment? Was that do I remember that correctly?
2: uh the ones i've seen i've seen about yeah i think 13 or like payments of about 6500 i think the ones i saw were two payments of 6500 It's
0: so about 13 grand uh, back okay. in
2: 2016 about 13 grand then there was a third one so maybe a maybe 20 grand altogether but still i mean that's you know when he says to the the values based voter it's like hey you've got to get away from this uh you know anti feticide position this you have to get away from this pro-life position because you know that just doesn't sell it's like well what doesn't sell to people is raising their property taxes you know you know you're jumping them up uh you know to the to the largest uh you know property tax jump ever so you know it's, it's difficult to say yeah we're we're against this it's like why are we in this position well you know the state gop chair helped put us in this position and
0: and you're you're talking about the former state GOP chair Dick Watts. Yes, the yeah. former
2: state G, A former state GOP yeah. chair. Obviously there's been a few a few since his, uh it, you know since his interim. So
0: Hey, we got to you late. Um I guess we couldn't get through to you the when we first called, but uh, can you stick okay. around? We'll get through a break. We'll spend a couple minutes on the other side and wrap this up. All right, State Representative Ken DeGroff stays with us. I hope you will, too. We will continue. Text message, Randy, a bunch of dicks is certainly fitting. (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) retired law enforcement. Yeah, you've touched a nerve with this one. That's good work, Ken. We'll be with you back in a moment here on 710 KNUS. Inimitable, one and only, George Jones, man. 1970, I'll be over you when the grass Grows over me. All right, we're back, and Ken DeGraff stays with us. He's the state representative from House District 22, and um, he went hard at Dick Wadham's in this piece that uh, turned up in the Colorado Springs Gazette. And um, I've just been trying to sort of get to the bottom of the motivation for it. A text message came in. Sorry for Dick. He's seen as a legend in his own mind, not a Republican. People do not know why he refers to himself as one. Could he be a troll in disguise? And the damage he is doing, I don't think so. I think that um, there are just a new type of Republican that's emerging, people who realize that, you know, kind of the George Bush era is over. Uh, we've spent way too long compromising with Democrats and watching our country just not even drift to the left anymore, but jerk hard to the left. And uh, it's time to put up a fight And so when people come out and, you know, because we elect a new chairman, they the the people who tell us the old grassroots activists that, uh, you know, once a primary is over, you got to jump on board. Well, when we win election, then it's fine for them to call us names and um, spin things in an untruthful way to try and get their power back. And I, I don't care about power. I care about standing up on principle, and if we go down in a sinking ship fighting for what's true and for what's real, so be it. But I don't see it that way. Ken, I don't know about you, but you know, as National Committee man now, I, I travel around the country different times. I meet Republican activists at small groups and massively large groups, and I don't hear from people who say, you know, I walked away from the Republican Party, I'm not working anymore to help because we're too conservative. It's because for years and years, Republicans have not been standing up for the principles that gird our our platform and are supposed to gird the decisions and the votes that we make.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. The uh, You know, our, our founding documents, Declaration of Independence, uh, found, you know, the foundational document for the Constitution, the Constitution lays out a pretty tightly prescribed box in which, you know, in which government can occur without uh, lapsing into tyranny. And, you know, our, our legislators, or they should be representatives, but they've uh, turned themselves into legislators, have, uh, have continually gone outside. Now, as far as uh, I think there's a I agree with you that there's a shift in the uh, in the nature of uh, of the Republicans. And I think for a long time, obviously, we were founded as a party of of uh, continuing the uh, you know that all men are created equal that if you read frederick douglas how frederick Douglass referred to the 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 founding documents is that which uh uh contained the seed to the end of slavery and the you know the republican party to uh to bring that to fruition uh there were you know just as there are now there are people that do not that do not value all life as created equal so that, that that part of our the the values of our Declaration of Independence are truly, are truly revolutionary. But at some point, you know, we got away from our values. And then it became about supporting industry and supporting corporate. And you know, Republican was like the party of capitalism. And for a long time, I think there was just kind of this uh, malaise, like the people just didn't, <clears throat> they just didn't really and I don't know if it almost seems in, intentional, but that you know, they they weren't they weren't all that enthused about, uh, you know, supporting corporate dollars. And then all of a sudden you get to especially, you know, around covid and all these things where, you know, industry just all of a sudden turns on the uh, turns on the people that have been supporting it. And, you know, there's a there's a re re revitalization in the in the recognition that people have and saying, hey, wait a minute, this document, this This great experiment of the United States is not about capitalism. Capitalism is fine, but this is about we the people. And you know, and I think that's where I think you know, Mr. Wadams is, uh, uh, you know, wrong on on Donald Trump. You know, calling it a personality cult or that he's deeply unpopular. And and I've never seen a deeply unpopular person inspire regattas and a hundred mile long car rallies. Yeah. Let's, and I uh, think it's not about his personality but it's about that Trump gets it that the, that our documents that our founding is about we the people it's America first not supporting not supporting this corporate and industrial they're fine to support but we have to take care of the people first.
0: In the column you reference Dick Wadham's um what, and here's a quote. While he wags his finger, he ignores his tenure that was marked by a series of electoral failures to include John Hickenlooper's 2010 victory that almost made the GOP a minor party. I heard his defense to that, and he blamed it on, listen to this, the Tea Party for getting behind the first sort of Tea Party candidate here in Colorado, Dan Mays, and making him the nominee and completely ignores the fact that the only reason this upstart Tea Party candidate, Dan Mays, who, you know, said the right things. Nobody knew much about him. Turned out he wasn't everything that he said he was. But the only reason there was room for him is because the establishment candidate, Scott McGinnis, got caught up in a massive scandal of his own where he received hundreds of thousands of dollars for what was it, a ghostwritten or a plagiarized paper on on water rights and things like that. And that the left took him out, opened the door for a Dan Mays to to um, position himself there. And then, of course, Tom Tancredo came along and tried to save the day. But that's what me- almost made the GOP a minor party. But it's not because the Tea Party was starting to feel its oats and get behind somebody non-establishment. But, you know, it just goes on and on. And, and the the point for me is that the people for all the years when I was an activist and going to, you know, breakfasts and showing up at the state headquarters on Election Day to answer legal questions um, from polling poll watchers and judges and things like that, I was always told that, um, you know, the name calling, Ronald Reagan's 11th commandment, and once a primary is over, you've got to all get on board. And these are the same people that when their people don't win or when they get replaced in power, come out with the nastiest of names. Can you imagine referring to Dave Williams as Comrade Dave?
2: no no i think that's uh i think that's beyond the pale and that's it's like well yeah that is not going to make people uh you know come over to the the, the republican party what we're about is getting lost in um in the grasp for power you know i i don't you know i don't uh i i just don't i don't see it the you know, the, again, the, the thing about the votes and assigning a value to the non-vote, well, that was done by, that was done by Prop 108. And that is what Mr. Wadhams was, you know, trying to uh, uh, continue. And, you know, you could see, you know, the Wadhamites all got behind it and, you know, they just, they just were giving out his, his talking points. It's like just, Well, just could not get in a word edgewise.
0: And can you give the example of Joe Day and Pam Anderson, the last establishment candidates that we were told by Dick and and folks like him, that they were the best kind of candidate that could actually win in this uh, in this potentially red wave election back in 2022. But you can. I like Joe Day as a person. Got to know him pretty well. Very successful. Great story. But Republicans Mm -hmm. cannot support a candidate who wants to codify Roe v. Wade into federal law after 50 years when the Supreme Court finally gets positioned to overturn Roe v. Wade. We can't get behind a secretary of state candidate who works for CTCL, the company that funneled 400 million Zuckerbucks into just the right districts to defeat Donald Trump in the 2020 election. And she's back on that board. And, you know, when we find out those kinds of things, there's a little bit of a trust deficit there. And yet we've got folks like Dick trying to um, tell us that these are the only people that can win in Colorado. They got wiped out.
2: Yeah, well, and he's also uh, he's also quite um, vocal about everybody with the, uh, you know, the election integrity. Um, you know, at this point, we, you know, we truly don't know what level, of, there's always fraud in an election, but when a, an election machine has uh, wireless capacity, and if you look at the bill that Rod Bachenfeld ran, all it does is say, well, it's disabled. It doesn't say it's removed. The The CRS is clear that you cannot have right. that ability, and, and, and you can't use.
0: And can I hate to interrupt? We've got the music in the no. background, but, I, you know, I'm in litigation <laughs> over election deniers and um, and election fraud deniers. And we know what they did. I mean, they said these things can't connect to the Internet. Well, they can connect, but they don't connect. Well, they do connect, but they only connect when they're supposed to. I mean, it it's. Every you know every single day, a little bit more of it is getting exposed. But we are flat out of time. I really appreciate your time with us this evening here in Denver. Um, thanks for you know throwing your hat into the ring and doing the hard work down there at the Capitol. I know it's brutal, and for taking on the old guard because baby, it is time for them to go. God bless you, sir. <laughs> All right, you ready? Bye. All right. When we come back, J. Rod, the twelve-year-old superstar. Like this kid for president one day. Stay with us.